Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Our food backpack for kids, we, we through the school year, we provide meals over the weekends for several children. In fact, this last year it averaged about 90 children a week. And uh, we're grateful that we had that opportunity. But in the summertime, and, and that's here as well as up in Mapleton, but in the summertime, they, they have a program for the kids. They can get hot meals. They can, they, there's food available to them. And uh, so we don't do that here. But up in Mapleton, they don't have the same benefits of hot meal programs. And Karen Harden, who her and Lynn help run the, they do run, not help, they, they are the runners of Mapleton Food Share, have taken on that project. Last year, they helped provide food for kids in Deadwood, Swiss Home, and in Mapleton. And uh, they lost a benefactor this year that it, it kind of hurt. And so we were talking, and I, I would like to ask your help this morning. I think it would be appropriate if we bless Mapleton Food Share. If you'd like to help them, uh, if you're prepared this morning, fine. If you aren't, you can bring it into the week. But we want to we add something to our giving this morning. If you just put whatever you feel the Lord speaks to your heart on that uh, in that uh, check or in that whatever, uh, we're going to make sure that we help them. There, what is it, 250 meals a week. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of kids. And uh, I, I think, I, and I just commend them. I think that's such a wonderful thing that they're doing. As you are aware, that area is, is somewhat of a, an economically depressed area, and so it's a real need. It's not just a a whim. It's a need. These kids need help. You know, I was watching this morning's news, and th they were able to extradite some of those children out of that cave in Thailand, and, and the whole world is in awe of that, and they should be. We should be, but we should be just as much in awe of meeting the need of kids in our own community. Can you say amen to that? And so if, if you would be in such an inclined mind to do that, please just put a little extra in there this morning, and we'll make sure that it's, it's provided for those children. Thank you, Karen and Glenn, for all the hard work you do up there. We are so, so proud of you. Amen. Amen. Father, we ask your blessing upon these gifts as we receive them. For your kingdom, we pray. We ask that you'd bless both those that would give and the gift that they bring. May it be multiplied. May it touch the lives of many people. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you for your giving. Thank you, Jeff. Last week, I was gone. Sherry and I were uh, up in the Seattle area. Her mother passed away, as you're aware, about a month ago, and we had her service last weekend. And it was, uh, it's always a real refreshing thing for me to know that when I'm gone, you're still in very capable hands. And Pastor Jeff did a phenomenal job. I've heard nothing but wonderful, wonderful things, and I'm very grateful for him. Amen. We've been on a theme 
uh, and it's really something that I've really felt impressed to share with you. It's, it's a teaching, and it's more teaching about who the Holy Spirit is, what He has in our life, what He wants to do for us. It's my observation that for most Christians, the Holy Spirit is somewhat of an afterthought. Oh, <laughs> kids, all of our kids, you know, I get so, I get so intense. Thank you. This is a time, kids, where you can go to kids' church, all right? So all of the kids can get up and you can walk out. I can say run, but I wouldn't do that. That, that might not. You might trip over some old person. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We wouldn't want that. We, we wouldn't want the old person to trip a kid. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. It, it has been my, my observation, though, that for, for many people that are Christians, the topic of the Holy Spirit is somewhat of an afterthought. I've shared with you that I was raised in a church that it was somewhat like this. The Trinity was the Father, Son, and the other guy. There was no teaching on the Holy Spirit. There was no emphasis on the Holy Spirit. There was no understanding of who he was. And it's, it was kind of interesting that, that the Holy Spirit was looked at as something mystical and almost spooky. He isn't. He's precious. He's wonderful. If we do not see the Holy Spirit as a person, we'll never develop a relationship with him. He's not an it. He's not just an ethereal thing. He is a person. Jesus gave special time to instruct his disciples about the Holy Spirit. It's, as a matter of fact, John chapters 14, 15, and 16, they say those are the last 12 to 15 hours that Jesus had with his disciples. In the first beginning of chapter 14 of John, he speaks about, he's actually speaking about the Trinity, but he's speaking about the Father. And he said, the Father and I are one. And he's speaking about the Father and his divinity. He's speaking about his own divinity and the fact that he is as much God as the Father. But then he goes on and he speaks about the Holy Spirit. He speaks about him in, in some incredible ways. He speaks about uh, the, what he wants to do. In chapters 15 and 16, he deals with, with him as well. The main context of that teaching was to teach them that they shouldn't be troubled that he's going away, but that he is going away to, to send another person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And the introduction of that is found here in John 14, verse 16. It says, I will pray the Father. I like the way it says that, but it doesn't quite make sense. I will pray the Father. The, le the, the Greek language really translates, I will ask the Father. I will ask the Father and he, I want you to, I'm emphasizing pronouns here so that you can understand he being the Father will give you another helper. That word helper is referencing to the Holy Spirit, that he, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it, is, it neither sees him, the Spirit, nor knows him, the Spirit, but you know him, and he dwells with you and will be in you. I emphasize those pronouns because it's speaking of a person, not a thing. It's speaking of a person, not, not some kind of an epiphany. It's speaking of a person, not an ethereal thought. It's speaking about an individual part of God's trinity. And I want you to hear that. He is a part 
of the Trinity. He is the third person in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We, we say it this way, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What is God's name? What is the Father's name? God. What is Jesus' name? God. What is the Spirit's name? God. You see, it's God. So we, 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 we must understand that. Verse 25 says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Now listen to this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. That's powerful. In John 15, he goes on in verse 26, he said, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. In John chapter 16, he says in verse 6, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He was telling them that he's going to be taken away. He's telling them that he's going to die, that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to be taken from them. And their hearts were grieved. In chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And here he's trying to re re refresh them. He says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. When I look at that, it, it, it's just a, a bold statement that the Holy Spirit still speaks to us. He still speaks to us. It's an amazing thing. Have you ever been prompted in your inner being that you needed to share a passage of scripture or pray for someone or give someone a phone call or let someone know? And, and the message is of hope. It's, it's encouraging. It's to let them know that you care. It's to let them know that God loves them. You, you've, God gave you a scripture and, and you share that with somebody because you knew that was something laid on your heart. That wasn't just in your mind. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to be his ambassador to somebody else to bring hope and encouragement to them. And everybody can say, oh my. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Think about that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit still wants to be in communion and relationship with you. Little bitty old me. God wants to have an opportunity to speak into my life and use my life, use my mind, use my voice to bring hope for somebody else. Glory to God. I'll say amen all by myself, folks. It's interesting, though, the word helper comes from a compound Greek word, parakletos, parakletos. Now, you've heard the word paraclete. That's the English translation, but parakletos. It's a compound word, and it simply means para is to come alongside. Kletos means 
to help, to comfort, to abide, to encourage. That's what he does for us. I've shared with you before, I had a dear friend, an African brother that, that used to pray for me on, on Sundays once in a while, and, and I'd, say, I'd say, Brother Lipkin, would you close in prayer? And every Sunday that I'd ask him to do that, he'd say, Lord, I want you to prop up my preacher on his leaning side. That's the paracletos. That's the Holy Spirit coming alongside I loved hearing him. I had him pray because I knew what he was going to pray. I just love that. He's in heaven. I hope he's praying for me now. <laughs> but we see this prefix, this Greek-English context. How many of you have ever, ever heard of a parable? You ever heard the word? Parable is a Greek word. It's a compound Greek word. Para, balos. Para, to come alongside. Balos, to throw. Jesus would teach a truth, and he would throw in a story that would emphasize the truth. The parable was a story that would bring the truth of what he was trying to share into a, a way, an understanding that we could comprehend it. it it's, a, it's a wonderful word, but that word can be translated helper, consoler, intercessor, advocate, comforter. I love the old English in, in the King James where it says that, that he is our comforter, comforter. Many years ago, I was in the Middle East. I was there for three, almost four weeks. And when we were on our way back home, our plane developed engine trouble, and we ended up landing in Bergen, Norway, and spent the night there. They put us in a beautiful hotel, and I'd never been to a Scandinavian country before. I'd first experience. I love the smorgasbord. I've never seen cheese that big in my life. I mean, it was an amazing experience, and I whittled quite a bit of it to take on board with me, but I, I remember as we got into our room, I was tired, and I, I slipped into bed, and this bed, it, it looked like it was about that tall. Well, I got in it. It was a ticking. It was what they, it was a comforter, if you will, but it was, it was down-filled. It was heavenly, I mean, I got inside that thing, it was just, I felt so snug, it was wonderful. And I remember coming home and telling my wife, and she, you know, she had never seen anything like that, and, and we, back in the day, just had bedspreads, I mean, you know, those little thin things, and we, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of money for extravagant things. She made a house amazing with little, she would just have, had a creativity that's amazing, and and so she came back one day, she was out, and she says, I saw something I'd like to get. I said, what is it? She says, it's called a duvet. I said, honey, we are Christians. We don't talk like that. <laughs> she said, no, it's a comforter. I'd never heard of such a thing and except for this ticking thing that I'd seen in Norway. She told me what it was. I said, oh, and, and I had this memory come back, and and so she found one on sale, and I came home one day. She said, let me show you something. Took me in the bedroom, and here's this beautiful comforter on our bed. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. We went and had dinner and did what we needed to do, and we got ready to go to bed, and somebody stole that comforter. <laughs> it wasn't on my bed. And I went, what happened to that comforter? And she looked at me, and she says, honey. It's for looks. It's not for use. (laughs) 
what do you do with a wife like that? But I've come to the conclusion there are several things in my house that I can't use, but you can. <laughs> Got out of the shower one day. Here's this nice fluffy towel, and I'm drying off, and she came in. She says, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> I'm wet. I'm naked. I need to... <laughs> what were you thinking? Um, obviously not the right thing. You see, you can use it, but I can't. How many of you know what that's like? How many of you guys know what that's like? They're a mean bunch, I'm telling you. That comforter, though, and what she said is really a, an interesting statement. That comforter is for looks. It's not for use. Too many Christians look at the Holy Spirit in that same way. He's for looks. He's not for use. I, I've discovered that he is for use. He wants to be used. He wants to engage. He wants to be a part of our life. I'm not just Saved so that I know the Father and the Son. Thank God for the Father. And oh, thank God for the Son. But he, Jesus, went to heaven to send to us the Holy Spirit. To abide with us. To be in us. To be upon us. To work through us. To guide us. To challenge us. To empower us. If I don't watch out, I'll preach. But there's three thoughts that, that hit me about the work and the person of who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, he is my helper. I can't tell you how many times that I'll come to the platform, come to the pulpit, get ready to preach. But before I've done that, John or, 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 or Jeff or, or Lauren or someone will have shared a scripture to the body, not knowing my notes, that is perfectly timed to what the Spirit of God is saying. Many times quoting the passage that I'm going to use as the text for the message. That doesn't just happen. That is prompted and motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Say that with me. He is my helper. You know, nobody knows the message that I'm going to preach. My wife doesn't know my staff doesn't know. Sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is always secure. He guides us. He helps us in ways that are obvious and too obvious to ignore. <laughs> he knows what he wants us to say, but he also knows what we shouldn't say. Have you ever, have you ever had this? You, you, you're about to say something and you just feel a nudge and... You say, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but, and then you do, and when you've said it, you, you say to yourself, I shouldn't have said that. You all understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Guys, you come home, you've had a great day, you come home and you realize that your wife hasn't had such a great day, and you, you have a thought comes to your mind, and the Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't go there if I was you. Yeah. 
Y'all understand what I'm saying? He tells us what and what not to say. He can lead us in that way. This is not, this is not some weird thing, folks. This is a practical. God gave us the Holy Spirit to live a real life in real circumstances with real people in a way that helps us to be functioning in a whole and, and positive way. He does that. It's not mystical. It's not warped. It's not super spiritual. He comes to us in practical clothing. And he helps us to live our life in a way that will impact lives around us. John chapter 16 says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We look at that passage of scripture and we kind of cringe because it, it, he's convicting us of sin and he's convicting us of, of righteousness and he's convicting us of judgment. We look at that as a negative, but that isn't a negative. Let's, let's go on. When you look at the next three verses, he explains each one of those things that the Holy Spirit does with conviction, conviction. Say that word with me, conviction. We don't like that word, but we should love that word because that word is not just convicting, it's convincing. He says in verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit comes to you and to I. He comes to us and he speaks to us about our need of a Savior until we recognize that we're lost and and, 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 and away from God, unless we know that, we will never come to the Savior. He brings us to an understanding that we are lost, that we need a Savior, that we cannot save ourselves, that we, we are undone, if you will, in that way. He brings the conviction of that. He convinces us of that. And when we are convinced of that, then we can come to the Father. Look at this. It's a positive thing. It's not just convicting me to make me feel miserable. It's convicting me to make me recognize that I can't do this in myself. I can't save myself. I'm not good enough in myself to achieve God's standard. I will never be able to perform enough. I will never be able to be good enough in my own ability. But with Jesus Christ, oh, it makes all the difference in the world. And when I've been convinced to come to him, I have a savior. Oh, man, the blessed assurance that we have and the grace and the joy that floods our hearts. I love what Paul writes. He says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We'll go to a different one. I think I'm getting too excited for this one. <laughs> no one can say that Jesus is, a, is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Don't you ever say you don't want much to do with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is who brings you to the Savior. Then he goes on, he says, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. I'm going to my father and there will become your advocate before the father against all of the forces of the adversary that come against you. And I'm going to intercede for you. 
And I'm going to help you to understand that the Holy Spirit becomes that advocate for you to help you to understand. I want you to listen, look back at verse 10 of righteousness. It doesn't say righteous living. It's speaking of your standing, your position in God. Now, he obviously wants us to live righteously. Hello? There is a holiness that he wants us to live. There is a sanctification that he wants in our life. He wants us separated from the world. But, but in this moment, he's speaking about our position in God. That concept of righteousness is in right standing with God. I'm in right standing with God. Not because of me, but because of what Jesus did. Because the Holy Spirit has drawn me to Jesus. I accept Jesus. He becomes my Savior. Immediately, I love this, immediately, He puts me in right standing with God. That's not a negative. That's an encouragement. I, lo- I love the way that, that, that he speaks of verse 11. It says, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. We don't like the concept of judgment. We hate that word. We, I guess it's because you, at least I, can I speak about myself? I've, I've always not liked that word because I know I'm going to stand before God one day and, and he's going to throw open the windows of heaven and everything in my life is going to be revealed. Is that right? That isn't right. Let me tell you why it's not right. When I come to Jesus Christ and I ask his forgiveness, he wipes that slate clean. Hear this. God is omnipotent. He knows everything. But he has chosen to forget my past when I bring my life to his son. That's a volitional will on the part of God. He has chosen to forget my past when I bring my life to Jesus Christ. Hello? I'll say amen real loud on that one because it is the truth, folks. You've got to hear this. So when I look at this, this, this passage, I look at this, this statement, we, we, we've so misunderstood it that you're a sinner and you're not living right and, and God's going to get you. That's what comes to our mind. But what God is saying here is this. He's coming to convict you of your need for a Savior, to convict you that when you accept Jesus Christ, you are now in right standing with God and that Satan has had all his authority taken away and now has no more authority over you. Glory to God. Now, do you see why I'm trying to help you understand why we need to know more about the Holy Spirit? Why we need to have Him interacting in our life? Why we need everything that He has for us? Because He has so much more than we can even comprehend. It's a conviction that we need Him more. It's really what it's got to be. Number two, He's my friend. He is my friend. He's not weird either. I've seen some weird people that want to blame it on the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to tell you, without the Holy Spirit, they're still weird. A poll was taken that one in three are considered weird. I want you to look to the person on your left and the person on your right, and if they're not weird, 
There's a chance. Actually, I'm making that up. It's actually one and two. Now, hear me. Hear me. Lord, forgive me. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is very real. But you can be a very normal person, be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, be used in the gifts of the Spirit, be used in the manifestations that God brings. He doesn't come to be unseemly. He doesn't come to be discourteous. He doesn't come to be rude. He doesn't come to be a spectacle. He comes to give us power. He comes to give us love. He comes to give us the fruit of the Spirit. He comes to give us the gifts of the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? And all of them are good. And all of them should be desired. And all of us should desire and hunger more of who He is. It's a wonderful thing. When the Holy Spirit comes, He brings revelation to us. I... I had the most delightful time. I was in my study the other morning, and oh, heaven come down and kissed earth, and I got caught in a smack. (laughs) I was reading the Word, and I was just studying, and oh, man, the Spirit of the Lord just began to break open the Word in a fresh way, and something so new and so powerful just jumped out of the book into my heart. You know what that is? That's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. When he can take a word that we've read over and over again, and he takes that word and he just makes it truth. He just brings it alive. Isn't that awesome? I told Sherry, I said, you know what, honey? You can teach an old dog a new trick. God is so good. It's so practical. It's so relevant. It's not super spiritual. It's not crazy. It's not strange. It's just so awesome and real. The benefits that we get are so great. He's my God. He's my friend. He's he's not crazy or weird. He's, He's my helper because, believe me, I need it. But he's my God. I want you to hear this. If I say... The Father is my God. We, we don't have a problem with that. If we say that Jesus, the Son, is my God, we don't have a problem with that. But if we have a problem saying that the Holy Spirit is our God, we've got a problem. I was not raised in a Pentecostal church, in a church that believed in the full experience of God. I, 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 just, I just wasn't raised that way. It was a good church, fundamental church, but they were scared to death of the Holy Spirit. I I remember my pastor telling me that I should avoid people that even talked about the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to me. What he was telling me is this. To avoid people that talk about the Holy Spirit, he was simply telling me, be careful about people that talk about God. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is as God as God the Son and God the Father are. Can you say amen to that? You've got to understand that, that the enemy knows that if he can create fear in the heart of a believer about the things of the Spirit, he has actually made us impotent and powerless 
in an effective way of living our lives. I must have the full throttled power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And folks, I can tell you right now, we're living in one of the most wicked times of, of, of my lifetime. And I've lived almost seven decades. And I can tell you that this is probably one of the most wicked, vile times that I can remember in my entire life. I lived through the 60s. I lived through the 70s. They were crazy, tumultuous times, but they do not bear record of what today is. Our kids today, if there is ever anything our kids today need, Jeff, if anything our kids need, they need more of the Holy Spirit. They need more of the power of God. They need everything God has for them because they're fighting demonic forces that you, at least I, did not have to face when I was a child. We need every aspect of what God has for our lives. Every aspect of what he has. But think about this. The enemy knew that at the first century, that early church, man, I want you to know they were full of God. Every one of the disciples, every author of the New Testament were spirit-filled Pentecostals, tongue-talking people. Don't take it up with me. It's in the book. And folks, I want you to hear that. They weren't weird. They weren't strange. They were just full of the Holy Ghost. On one sermon, Peter saw 3,000 people get saved. That's a dream of me, to have a crowd large enough that I could preach. And in one moment, 3,000 souls can come to, to the Savior. They healed the sick. They cast out devils. They raised the dead. They did miraculous things. In fact, it's said that these, these are those who have turned the world upside down. They didn't have mass media. They didn't have great billboards. They didn't have all of the things and the toys and the, and the technology we have today. They just simply had the raw bone power of a living God that was alive in their life. And they were what they were everywhere they went. And the Spirit of God went before them and convicted and convinced people that they needed a Savior. From the day of Pentecost to the first century, in the city of Jerusalem, there were over 100,000 believers come to Jesus Christ in a Jewish community. In the dark ages, things settled. It, it, it become a little more, it was a dark time. At the beginning of the last century, early 1900s, God revealed again the, the impact and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now, think about the power that is in that. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Glory to God. But the enemy wants you to hold him at bay. So what did he do? He took a few people. I, 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 my, my dear mentor and friend, Pastor Harold Duncan, he's in heaven today. He used to say it this way. If the enemy cannot cause you to sin, he'll, he will push you toward excess. And there were excesses that weren't dealt with, that weren't corrected. And because of it, it, it caused 
a stir. It caused a fear, a fear of, of, of not knowing, a fear of, of something odd, a fear of, of uncontrolled exhi- exhibitionism, if you will. And, and people were repelled by that. If the enemy can cause a, a fear to come into the life of people where they do not want the things of the Spirit, they do not want the moving of the Spirit, they do not want the Holy Ghost, they don't want all of the manifestation, they don't want His power, they don't want that for what? Fear. But the Holy Spirit doesn't come to bring fear. He came to calm fear. He came to conquer fear. He came to give to us the ability to live our life above the, the fray of the enemy's tauntings today. Hallelujah. He is God. He is God. John 14 says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, and He may abide with you forever. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. I love that. Verse 26 of chapter 15. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me. He's God. Jesus is baptized. Luke chapter 3 it says... And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Who's him? Jesus. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And then the voice of the Father in the heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I well pleased. I love it because it's speaking about who God is. In Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira when they, when they were killed during an offering time. I've always been careful about offerings. It's the only time in church where people died. It says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own to control? Listen to these words. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. Wow. Would you like to hear more about the Holy Spirit? We'll put a bookmark there. We'll come back to more. Because there's so much more to learn about him. He's awesome. And we need him. I can't live without him. He has so much more for us. Father. Thank you. Thank you that when Jesus came from this earth back to you. That you sent to us. Another comforter that would never leave us, that would abide with us, that would go before us, that would comfort us, that would strengthen us, that would empower us, that grant to us boldness. Can I ask you, friends, to ask a question? Can you ask the Holy Spirit? 
Holy Spirit, what are you revealing to me right now? What do you have for me right now? What do you want for me right now? some it's just the assurance it's the assurance that though he knows everything he has chosen because of your commitment to Jesus to forget your past and I was just prompted as I said that so why don't you forget it as well quit living over and again your past. You're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is a brand new day. I don't have to live under the cloud of yesterday. I live under the fresh anointing of God's presence. And this is a moment that I can live brand new. It's a brand new day. And He's given to me a, a brand new revelation. Let him speak to your heart. And perhaps he's going to speak to you and through you to somebody else. To maybe share a truth. To share a hope. To share encouragement. Share a passage of scripture. Just to come alongside him and say, you know what? I love you and so does Jesus. Our world needs to know that today. those that are prepared to help us with communion, would you please come?
my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a It washes white as snow. Oh, the of Jesus. Oh, the of Jesus. Oh, What you hold in your hand is probably one of the most sacred symbols as a Christian that we can ever watch or see. My wedding ring is a statement of a covenant that my wife and I made a long time ago. Covenant to one another, but a covenant between us and God. It's sacred to me. This covenant is even more sacred. Because we're reminded in the Bible that as often as we drink the cup and eat the bread, we're memorializing the reality of why Jesus came. We're not re-crucifying Jesus. We're not beating him up one more time today. He died once for all. It's finished. What he did on the cross is a done thing. It's a done deal. It's finished. You don't add anything to it. You can't take a thing from it or away from it. But what he has done is enough. He took every one of my dirty, rotten sins. And he took every one of your dirty, rotten sins. And he took them. He placed them in a bottomless pit. And in its place, he gave to me and to you his spirit that we could live forever. What a wonderful exchange. Amen. It's a beautiful covenant. Jeff, would you pray over the the bread today? Father God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to live the life that that we could not and to die the death that we deserved. 
God, that even so that sin has punctured our lives with shame and guilt. God, you became broken to make us whole, to repair that hole, that tear in our life. So, Lord, we praise you for your love for us. We praise you for your brokenness, for our healing. We praise you that there's still healing available. There's still wholeness available in you. And we thank you in your name. Amen. Let's take the bread together, church. Would you stand with me? As Jeff was praying, I just felt prompted of the Spirit. I don't know who, but I know there's people here that live under a a shadow, a cloud of condemnation, and it holds you under a brutal thumb. But the Bible tells us, not psychologists, not preachers, the Bible tells us, God's Word tells us, that when I come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, I've confessed my sins to Him, and I choose to follow Him, the Bible tells me, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation comes from the enemy. It does not come from God. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It draws me to Jesus. Condemnation tells me there's no hope. It's a condemning thing. Conviction gives me hope. And if there's hope, then listen to what the Holy Spirit would say and follow his direction. But if it's the enemy that's just telling you over and over and over again how bad you are and that what you've done is unforgivable, that's condemnation. That's not from God. And I will remind you to remind him that he's under a judgment that Jesus paid the price once for all. I'm under the blood. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I stand before God in right standing because of what Jesus has done. And the Holy Spirit will bring great grace and peace to your heart. Father, as we receive this precious cup, a cup that speaks of a new covenant written in the blood of Jesus, I would remind the enemy, he has no place here. You have no place in the lives of these people. We renounce you and rebuke you in the strong name of Jesus that you would take your insidious plans, your horrible condemnation, all of the things that you would in accusation against the saints. We ask that, Father, you will come and bind him in Jesus' name. Free your children to live fully, functional lives, full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, 
full of love, full of power, full of the fruit of the Spirit, exhibiting all of the gifts that you have to give in Jesus' name. We receive this precious gift, a sacred moment for us to recognize we're under the blood, we're cleansed by the blood, and we are people that follow the Lamb of God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Receive it with gladness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You ought to be able to say amen. amen. How many of you are glad that God's Holy Spirit is alive right now? My heart's desire is that you get to know Him more, more personally, more intimately, more fully, that you do not walk in fear of Him. He is not to be feared. Oh, He's to be embraced. Amen? Amen. And watch and see what God will do. You know what I'd love to see happen? A church so full of the Holy Spirit of God that when we walk out of here, it turns Florence right side up. Amen? Can't we believe for that? Hallelujah. Amen. Lift your hands for the blessings. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your blessings, your grace, your peace. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your abiding presence, for the sweet way that you come and speak to us and through us for the blessings that you want to provide in our life, how you want to guide us through the very unique journey of this faith-filled life. I pray your blessing. I speak your blessing over every single person in this room. That, Father, you know them. You care about them. You love them. You have great things in store for them. The plans that you have, we can't even comprehend. But you will reveal them one moment, one step at a time. Help us, Father, to hear your voice. So bless them. Keep them. Make your very present walk before them and grant them your peace as we ask it in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people can say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hug it.